Welcome to this Pump Court Chambers podcast. Today is the 23rd of September 2020, which marks the day of six months since lockdown. In that time, new verbs have emerged, such as to zoom and to mute somebody. We've grown used to questions such as, is that a virtual background? Or I'm in the waiting room, can you let me in please? When lockdown started, the courts effectively stopped and we were all literally rendered speechless by a combination of illness, technological difficulties, and system shock. However, after those few early stuttering weeks, a new reality has emerged. A remote hearing system has been established and the courts are fully up and running. To update us as the present position and help us as we move forward, particularly after the Prime Minister's announcements yesterday, I'm delighted to welcome Anne Hudd to this Pump Court Chambers podcast. Many of you will know Anne Well. She was appointed in November 2016 to sit as a judge at the Central Family Court. Before then she sat as a Deputy District Judge for three years whilst a member of 29 Bedford Row where she built up a formidable reputation particularly for her expertise in financial remedies although she also undertook children work throughout her career. I'm also grateful to members of the profession both solicitors and members of Pump Court Chambers for sending in the questions upon which the um, these questions to Anne are based. So Judge, thank you firstly very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I know, I should say, it's the end I know of a, of a, a busy um, court day for you, so I'm sorry that we're making you stay um, even longer in the building. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to you for, for giving up your time. Um, obviously many of us um, spend significant parts of our lives in normal times in um, the CFC, but have not been able to go there or haven't been there now for many, many months. So firstly, how is everybody at the CFC? CFC? Has, has everybody remained broadly healthy as far as you're aware? As far as I'm aware. In the early days, we had some absences, uh, but we remain none the wiser as to uh, whether they had COVID or not, because that was in the very early days. But yes, we yes. have a, a full complement of uh, judges working here at the moment. Now, it must have been, it was obviously an enormous shock to everybody. And certainly in those early weeks, the system uh, effectively almost ground, ground to a halt. Help us as to how it is now. Are you, are you kind of fully up and running as, 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 as far as you can be? As far as we can be, yes. Uh, and since the early summer, um, late spring, uh, all hearings have been remaining effective. But obviously we have uh, some cases happening as remote hearings, some happening on an attended or hybrid basis and some paper hearings. But we have been running full lists in through since uh, May and I believe in children since June that all hearings that are effective have been proceeding, albeit uh, in a very different manner to how perhaps it was expected that they would be proceeding when they were initially set down. Absolutely. And so the building now obviously has people coming to it for attended children hearings. Yes. But is it, is it otherwise, it must otherwise be feeling empty at times, isn't it? It is uh, very quiet, uh, especially compared to what a typical day used to look like uh, in the corridors. Um, yeah. And obviously the uh, 
attended courtrooms are spread throughout the building so that those who are attending for court are not on top of one another so they have adequate space both in uh, waiting areas and as well as in the courtrooms so uh, yes it is a much quieter and calmer place than uh, uh, those who were last here in uh, January February time uh, might be uh, more familiar with yeah and and so and are the judges working there or at home or what, what do they do they they choose it's been a mixture um obviously uh, back in uh march and april uh the edict was very much to work from home if you could so we only had a small number of uh, duty judges on the premises to deal with uh, urgent matters and matters that could not be dealt with remotely uh, since then it uh, there's been a mixture of those who have uh, found it more uh, practicable and necessary to work in the building uh, those who've been able to work remotely um, so the majority of judges are on site for most if not all of their time but it depends on what's in our lists obviously in view of the announcement uh, yesterday um, I suspect that there may be a, a reduction that some judges have been in the building hearing remote hearings and given this week's announcement it may be that some judges go back to greater amounts of time sitting outside um, the building um, yeah. so I think we'll, we'll continue to see a mixture but there's no change envisaged at this stage certainly in the number of attended and hybrid hearings so we'll still be running the same um, service the same number of courtrooms it's just a question of physically where the judge will be but we've been lucky not to have an issue about physically where a judge is sitting because we did our best to move so quickly over to uh, running a um, full yeah. remote hearing list so now, it, obviously, in the early days, I know because because we we spoke then, um, you were effectively assigned to to the financial remedies unit for for a time. Have they now let you back to to, to more normal duties? Um, well, I've always spent more of my time in uh, through uh, than in children. Certainly, over the last couple of years, I've spent three quarters of my uh, sitting time in through. Um, but yes, I was doing a significant amount of the case management because we were all operating in teams uh, for the, yeah. the uh, spring and summer of this year. And so, yes, my name appeared on a lot of case management orders be simply because of the number of cases that had to be uh, uh, adjourned out in those early weeks and then directions that we had to give as to how other cases were to be effective when they came back. Uh, in the spring and summer so uh, yes I did have uh, quite an active case management role for uh, several months earlier this year but I'm back to yeah, managing my normal lists now. Great the the um obviously the new um DFJ um her honour judge Roberts has issued her um uh, I suppose it's like a welcome address in many ways uh, a few days ago saying uh, amongst other things, well-being would now be central to um, her approach, and particularly the the need to make sure that um, the the court day is managed so that it's not overloaded for the judge by having other things listed beforehand, which obviously um, eats into your time, or some sort of pressure on the case that you're supposed to be hearing during the rest of the day, and uh, make sure breaks. Um, so ha has that. Is, is that, that I'm sure has obviously been welcome to all the judges and that that will now be adhered to and, and rolled out I imagine will it? Uh, I would certainly hope so I mean obviously those who are familiar with um, Judge Roberts from her 
previous uh, life as a DFJ out in uh, Essex will know that she, I think, was the first DFJ to roll out a welfare policy. And I think it was her original welfare policy that was adopted and adapted across the country. So she has very much been uh, pushing uh, welfare as a priority in other areas for some years. And it's obviously very welcome in such a busy court uh, that that is something that she has made it very clear that she is keen to implement, uh, not just for the judges, uh, but also yeah. for the staff and for all other court users and the practitioners as well, that I think she's very concerned about any uh, listing practices or working practices that are having a detrimental effect on those who work within um, the court system because ultimately we're all dealing with very stressful subject matter and the worst of all worlds is if unnecessary pressures are being brought to bear on anybody who's participating within that yeah. process. So I think she's very hopeful that we can uh, you know, have a more cooperative working approach so that we all can achieve the best outcomes for the parties who find themselves in the court process. Yeah, I suppose there's a temptation if it's a remote hearing to carry on longer and to eat into other times, which we'll all now just have to resist. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be hopefully told that we, we can't go around eating into these times. There's always been that danger and it's difficult because of course there are cases where you think if you can uh, hang on just a bit longer, uh, extend the court day, that you might be able to bring the matter uh, to a resolution. Um, and uh, but ultimately one has to have realistic expectations because everybody has always been juggling an awful lot with their work-life balance and for many practitioners especially I know that's been even more demanding so um, that the priority is to try uh, to stick to the normal court day so that everybody has realistic expectations about what um, they can expect and everybody comes to court with that expectation and yeah. everybody's working within the same parameters. Yeah, and people have got a plan. I mean, with, uh, with, with journey times and journey methods now are different, particularly use of public transport, people will need to know, you know when they're going to be back, if there are childcare issues and, and other problems. Yes. Um, so can, can, I turn, can I turn to technology? Because obviously we, we didn't, at least to my knowledge, apart from very occasional bits of video evidence, um, in, certainly in the family courts, um, we didn't do many live hearings by direct video link. It's commonplace in the, in the criminal courts, but not in, not in the family courts. Um, and so, some of, obviously, practitioners have expressed concern about the quality of some of the platforms. How, how, how have the judges found it? What, 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 what do you make of it? Uh, I think it was quite a steep learning curve for uh, uh, an awful lot of us uh, back in March. Um, I think and some of my colleagues, I think it's fair to say, were still using a pen and paper back in March. So the move to uh, telephone and then video technology has been a uh, radical change. And of course, it's one that whilst it was in the offing, HMCDS have effectively had to implement within a matter of weeks uh, a technology rollout that was expected to happen over the next, I think, five to ten years. So it has been an extraordinary turnaround in the way that yeah. we operate um, but yes I think uh, as you said at the beginning uh, we are now very familiar with certain vocabulary that none of us had actually heard of back in March and we've had to uh, alter both our vocabulary and also our uh, working methods and uh, certainly as judges those with many years of experience are learning new skills afresh because video hearings and telephone hearings are different in their dynamics to a, a physical hearing and 
I think we've all learned that. And uh, I think yeah. we look back to the early hearings in uh, the early weeks uh, of a lockdown. I think we probably can all reflect on things that we've learned about what you can and can't do and what you can and can't expect during those hearings. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the different platforms I don't think have made, have made life any easier. Obviously, the courts are using Teams um, now more than, more than anything else I've seen, although not, not, not I think, exclusively. And uh, sorry, sorry that, that, that's settled now on, on that, is it? Well, um, we were one of the pilot courts for the cloud video platform. So we had that rolled out rather more quickly than other courts in the country did. Um, so we were using Skype as a very short term uh, stopgap. Yeah. And then when we only had a limited number of CVP licenses, because you need one license per courtroom. Uh, so we, it took us a few months to have enough capacity to run every courtroom as a CVP courtroom. Other courts in the country were not in the initial uh, pilot round or uh, took some time after that. So many of them had started using Teams in any event once that was made available because Teams was so much better than Skype, which was all yeah. that we initially had. So in this building, the CVP is the default, um, except for the magistrates who use Teams as their default. There are other courts who are using Teams as their default platform. Um, so I'm afraid it does vary from court to court, simply depending on uh, what technology those courts had made available, because of course each court has had to make its own decision about training the staff in using the technology, because of course a member of staff is needed to support a, a judge conducting video hearings by whichever platform is chosen so uh, i'm afraid the patchwork is uh, no doubt going to continue to exist yeah. of the country um, as far as the hmcts supported platforms are concerned and then of course there are uh, other platforms which it remains within a judge's individual discretion to direct if they consider that that is the best way forward but that's a matter for the judicial discretion because those are not platforms in which hmcts are trained or in which they are providing the technology and, and, and that's part of the problem, isn't it? I mean, it's all too easy to say, well, let's switch to you know, some other platform. But of course, it's all got to be recorded. And so you, 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 it's, it's not as easy uh, as just trying to take yourself out of the court system, yeah. is it? It's made us all think about a lot of questions that none of us had to think about before. Because in a physical court building, HMCTS run the building, they run the courtrooms, they organise the recording. So the judges, the practitioners, the parties have never had to worry about those things. Yeah. Um, so, of course, what was thrown up by using those platforms is if a judge wants to use them, that is fine. But one then has to deal with who is responsible for recording the hearing and then what happens yeah. to that recording, who retains that recording, because yeah. there is no centralised storage for hearings conducted on other platforms. So, again, that needs to be grappled with by each judge in their own cases. Um, and it does throw up issues because I know that there have been some cases where people have uh, run the hearings and then have had trouble accessing the recordings. So I think some practitioners have had some slightly sleepless nights over it. So, yeah. um, so, so our preference in this building is to use the HMCTS approved um, platforms because they that leaves HMCTS with that responsibility. But I know individual judges have their own preference, but it's something that both the judge and practitioners have to address if yeah. they're going to move outside that, um, those limited yeah. what, what, One of the um, questions that we, we, we had was about the expense of these hearings for the parties, mm. because 
perhaps particularly in parties of very low means, um, having to having to buy as people sometimes do um, the, the the internet usage they're using or use their mobile phones can be quite expensive. Now. Um, I don't know whether you, have you, has this come up as a problem for you where somebody said, I, I, I can't afford to, 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 to do a three day hearing on my mobile phone. It, it, it would cost me too much. I've not had that particular issue. I have had a number of hearings where parties have only been able to engage by audio and not by video yeah. uh, based on either based on their technology, whether they had a suitable video capable device or sometimes, yes, whether they have the data available to them. Um, so I've not had any cases where we've not been able to come up with a practical arrangement for the longer hearings. But I know that that is a significant issue in children cases. Yeah. Um, it, it's not an issue in the longer hearings because we have the facility for the attended hearings to take yes. place. Um, but yeah. I know it remains a concern that decisions are being taken, especially in public law cases, with a judge unable to see um, the parents and the parents unable to see the judge and that is something again that we're keen to address and I think local yeah. authorities are being encouraged to uh, assist parents and their legal representatives in how that can be done if any devices can be provided if any facilities can be offered for a parent to um, have access to yeah. um, a building and a video facility so that is an ongoing work in progress and I know that's something that um, the DFJ is trying to address certainly with London local authorities because that does remain a concern to ensure that parents uh, are able to fully engage with the court yeah well and and I suppose in a uh, theoretically in a money case you could you could make an order that one party assisted with the costs of the other party, if necessary, to make sure that they can attend a hearing. One, well, one could do, you know, ultimately that might be the reason for an attended hearing in a money mm. case, if the technology was simply not uh, available. Uh, and obviously you have people who think they do have the technology and it turns out that they simply don't have a good enough um, a broadband or whatever it may be to actually engage. So. Those are the kind of issues that ought to be being identified at case management hearings so that the court yeah. can consider that rather than um, discovering problems only at 10 o'clock yeah. on day one of five, which well, and also, and also, obviously, for an attended hearing, you're going to need a, 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 a pretty good excuse as to why you need an attended hearing um, rather than just we'd like one, um, whatever else people <laughs> might say. So I suppose that that might be something which would which would register. Yeah, the resources remain limited, unfortunately, for attended hearings. Uh, I suspect that's going to continue to be the case um, for the coming months. But we are live to the fact that there are a number of situations where uh, justice and fairness may well require an attended hearing. And that may be to do with the ability to participate in a remote hearing. Um, because yeah. it's important that the parties can fully engage and there are some people for whom technology is going to be the stumbling block. Uh, it has become easier in recent months and for those who are represented uh, we've increasingly seen perhaps parties going to their solicitor's office and therefore being yes. in a room with their solicitor yeah. albeit being remote from the court. Um, but of course we may, st I don't know if we're going to start going backwards in that regard because of the uh, request from the Prime Minister yeah. that everybody goes back to working from home if they can. Um, so it's the kind of issue that where parties are represented, the lawyers need to be planning ahead of time to ensure their client can engage and if they can't engage, to either address it in practical terms and if not to raise it with the court at an early stage. Yeah. I suppose um, one of the concerns that money practitioners will have, or maybe not a concern, maybe a, maybe a, um, a thought, 
might be that actually the first appointments being done um, either by telephone or as, as now with non-attended um, might be something which is which is here to stay in the longer term because it, it's focusing minds slightly earlier on the first appointment issues and obviously it's saving costs. Um, has, has there been any discussion as you know you know amongst judges about about whether we'll ever return to standard FDAs in future? I mean, there's ongoing discussion about how uh, future cases are to be listed, what our ongoing policy is going to be. Obviously, that's something we're going to have to take stock of again. Um, there are arguments, obviously, in favour of having at least remote um, first appointments so that one can address issues directly uh, with the parties. Um, so uh, I can certainly see that there is a role for those. Um, if we've got the resources to do that. Having said that, paper hearings have worked incredibly well in many cases. And in fact, yeah. it was uh, back in March, many uh, advocates were submitting their documents to the court and requesting matters to be dealt with on paper. So I can see that there is a, a role for it. I think the issue going forward will be whether it remains a default of a paper hearing with the ability to request a remote hearing or whether yeah. we can move back to remote hearings for everything but on the basis that there may be cases where the parties are content for matters to be resolved on paper yeah. I think the difficulty has we have found i know that many uh, practitioners have found it difficult ensuring that they have the necessary dialogue with um, their opposite number in advance of the hearings yeah. because there does need to be an early sharing of information if you're not going to have that opportunity to stand in the corridor and resolve yeah. the issues. Um, so it does involve more planning, which I understand can be problematic. Um, although from the court's perspective, we, we would have thought that would be preferable to going back to the old days of standing around in a corridor yeah. for a day yeah. to only really have to go before the judge for five minutes. So I think there probably is still a role for paper hearings, but there is clearly, uh, there are clearly benefits in many cases to having remote hearings um, yeah. once we have those resources. So, and, and dealing with the remote hearings, I mean, what, apart from the technology, which obviously breaks down from time to time, what, what have been the challenges? Are there, do you perceive there are challenges in the decision-making from dealing with it remotely as opposed to attended? Um, no, not with the decision-making, um, but it, it is a different dynamic um, and it does involve people preparing uh, in a slightly different way for those hearings and it involves people conducting themselves uh, properly during those hearings yeah. to ensure that everybody is getting the most out of them. Um, the, the real problem with remote hearings has been the shift to no longer having the ability to physically hand documents over at 9.30 on the morning of the hearing, that it has been logistically hugely problematic for court staff to get documents to the judge on time when yeah. they're not, if they're not filed by the usual deadlines. Um, yes. So those difficulties have been amplified in this system and it has been difficult for the documents to get to the judge at the right time so it really has thrown up that deadlines do have to be yes. complied with to give the judge a fighting chance of having all the documents and being clear what the issues are rather than having to learn about them for the first time during the hearing yeah so so, so obviously a strong message then to practitioners to make sure that th that if it's going to be a remote hearing everything goes in on time maybe even slightly earlier to make sure that the judge is fully appraised of everything that's that's needed 
Yeah, and preferably in as few emails as possible. There yeah. was a terrible trend again back in the spring of multiple emails being sent in with multiple attachments within attachments. And yeah. some of us were finding ourselves being asked to access dozens of attachments and yeah. half the hearing time has gone by the time you've opened up the attachments to find the relevant documents. Yeah. So provision yeah. of a, a bundle, uh, the relevant documents being in the bundle, yeah. and focused practice direction documents are all absolutely essential for a judge to be able, because you, you're limited in time now that everything is time slotted. Um, it is hugely problematic if a case overruns. So cases need to be ready to start on time and they need to conclude within their time estimate because yes. we have to run our lists very differently. And there were downsides of the old everybody turning up at 10 o'clock system. Yeah. Uh, but that did give flexibility to parties to be able to talk uh, at the door of the court and request more time. But unfortunately, now that everything is time slotted, uh, the danger yeah. is if you're not ready at the time of your hearing, the court can't accommodate that and, and that yeah. is a downside of the remote hearing have you have you found it more difficult to assess the credibility of witnesses remotely um not particularly um it is as i'm sure everyone has found it is hard work staring at a screen all day and although all of us are used to working with computers throughout the day having no physical people in front of you in a room and looking at a screen uh, certainly i found to be exhausting um and certainly uh, having breaks has been an essential part of being able to concentrate and be sure that you are absorbing everything that you need to absorb i mean obviously remote hearings do throw up other issues about making sure everyone has the relevant documents and that they only have the relevant documents in front of them making sure nobody else is present in the room um, so obviously one has to make sure that the process is not being uh, impacted by any external factors and one is recreating the courtroom experience um, yeah. as clearly as possible but yes one has to be live to those issues because sometimes one does have to uh, ask direct questions to satisfy oneself that there is no other influence on a party giving evidence remotely. Mm. Have, have you noticed I mean one of the things that I think um, money practitioners worried about at the very outset was how we were going to cope with assets which might be deeply fluctuating and incomes deeply fluctuating. Have you, have you noticed a, a change in the way we would deal with those types of issues? I mean, for example, making, making orders that might change in future because people's incomes return or they come off furlough or all sorts of aspects. Uh, uh, do, you, do you think we've developed those mechanisms yet? I wouldn't say that I've noticed any particular trends, but clearly there have been a uh, significant uh, number of requests for matters that might have otherwise been ready for trial to be adjourned. There's yeah. been a significant increase both in variation applications and also in um, barter type applications. Um, given uh, what has happened. Uh, certainly, I know there was a consent order that I approved last year where yeah. parties have agreed an interim variation and that um, will come back next year to look at whether um, there are to be any changes to the order that was uh, agreed uh, not that long ago. So, I mean, certainly, yes, um, parties are having to bear in mind that there have may have been significant fluctuations. I said, I'm not sure I'm seeing a, re a significant change in 
the directions that are being given, but it's incredibly important in the run up to trial that one doesn't simply assume that the valuation exercise has been done and one is ready because a trial date several months down the line um, may well yeah. be in a very difficult um, situation. Um, I think one problem I have noticed is with the uh, freeze on possession proceedings. That has obviously oh, yeah. had an impact when one is looking at, for example, investment portfolios and where money can be realized from and realistic timescales. Yes. Uh, so that is probably one area where it is having an impact either on timing or on the desirability of ordering the sale of properties in order to uh, satisfy orders. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't yeah. say I've noticed any significant um, changes other than that. Well, ho hopefully we will return to normal and though this, this new area of law won't develop very, very far about how we're going to cope with them. What about, what about um, delays and, and backlog? Are you aware if there's, because of, because of COVID and all those cases that couldn't take place in, in April, uh, May, end of March, are you aware whether there are lots of cases sitting in the pipeline and, and there are delays? Uh, well, in this court, nothing simply got stood out of the list. Um, for a few weeks, we were only able to hear urgent cases. But everything that got stood out for a few weeks was brought back in for a mention in April. So everything has now been relisted. So if it hasn't already taken place, it will be coming up for hearing the final hearings from the spring that had to be stood out in April uh, and some in May, um, are all being heard over the autumn. So we've not had the problem that some courts, those courts that closed, a matter yeah. simply got stood out the list. And I think in some courts, they're only now relisting. But everybody when they've been adjourned has been adjourned to a fixed date so we don't have anything that's in abeyance um first appointments are all listed within target i think fdrs and short hearings are perhaps waiting slightly longer than they were i think they're waiting sort of four four months or five months rather than three months which might have been the norm final hearings i think is where the main difference is um occurring because we are now finding dates creeping into the summer of next year and right. given that we were previously listing all of our final hearings within four to five months, that's been a very significant change. Um, I yeah. don't have the statistics as to whether that is yeah. uh, the number of cases or longer time estimates or whether it's the variation applications coming back through, but certainly uh, parties are going to be waiting a lot longer for final hearing dates if they um, are going through the court process rather than using any form of ADR. So that is something to bear in mind when coming through the court process now. Well, they may find, of course, that's an advantage to them. It may be that there'll be that there'll be a time by this time next summer where the um, attended hearings will be the norm again, and uh, they'll be able to have a final hearing back in in First Avenue House. Who knows? We, we will see. Well, look, um, Judge, thank you very much indeed for um, giving us your time. That's enormously helpful, and uh, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was lovely to talk with you.